everyone, I'm Ray Belli, and this is Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. If you value this podcast as a free educational resource, you can support the show by making a monthly donation at patreon.com slash wordsforgranted. Thanks to Harriet and Bernard for their recent contributions. I've been posting one bonus episode per month on Patreon these days, and the latest patrons-only episode explores the unusual syntax of predicate adjectives, such as ajar, asleep, awake, and afraid. If Patreon isn't your thing, but you still want to support the show, you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash wordsforgranted. All right, let's get into today's episode, part three in a series on math terms. When I was in high school, I wasn't interested in linguistics and etymology the way I am now, but I was always a curious kid. And the first time I encountered the word parabola in my freshman geometry class, it immediately struck me as similar in appearance to the word parable. Although its meaning has nothing to do with parable, I thought there might be a connection there, so I raised my hand and I asked the teacher if the word parabola had anything to do with the word parable. And the teacher said something like, yes, the two words are related, but I'm not sure why. An unsatisfying answer, but to be fair, it's not exactly a high school math teacher's job to know the historical relationship between two words that trace back about two millennia. Because neither parabola nor parable is an everyday word, let's define both of them, just so everyone's on the same page. In mathematics, a parabola is a U-shaped plane curve, and a parable is a simple story used to impart a broader moral lesson. My definition of a parabola is very much a layperson's definition and not a mathematician's, so if we want a more technical definition of parabola, we can say it's a curve defined as the intersection of a cone with a plane parallel with its side. Anyway, aside from their appearance, these words have very little in common, aside from the fact that you might encounter both of them in a classroom. Nonetheless, my high school teacher was right. Parabola and parable are etymologically related. And they're not just etymologically related. They're etymological doublets, which means that they're two divergent forms of a single older word. Their common ancestor is the ancient Greek word parabole. Parabole is made up of the parts para, meaning alongside, and bole, meaning throwing. Parabole, then, literally means a throwing aside. While this literal definition has a somewhat narrow use case, the meaning of parabole is rich with metaphorical potential, which allowed ancient Greek speakers to develop a handful of broader, extended senses of the word. The first of these extended senses referred to the placement of two things side by side. From this emerged senses including a juxtaposition, then a comparison or analogy, and then a demonstration or illustration. Given these semantic developments, we can see how the sense of parable familiar to us today came to be. A parable usually has a setting, a narrative, and characters, but the story is not really about that setting, narrative, or characters. 
A parable uses its story as a vehicle for demonstrating or illustrating a broader moral or spiritual point. The story functions as an extended instructional analogy that juxtaposes its literal meaning alongside a deeper meaning. As you may know, the word parable is often associated with the Bible, and more specifically with Jesus. Jesus famously taught in parables. In fact, about one-third of the dialogue attributed to Jesus Christ in the New Testament is made up of parables. Some of Jesus' most famous parables include the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus didn't invent the parable as a literary form. Parables are also found in the Old Testament and were part of the conventions of ancient Jewish religious instruction for centuries. Furthermore, the original Greek word parabole was associated with metaphorical didactic stories before the composition of the New Testament, which is relevant because the New Testament itself was originally composed in Greek. The word parabole appears with this sense in the work of Plato, and Plato himself used parables in his writings. Although obscure, in modern English, the word parabole is a literary term synonymous with a simile, which of course is a kind of comparison. Parable, as we know it, entered English during the 13th century, displacing the native English word bespell which would be pronounced by-spell in modern English. The by of by-spell is indeed the preposition by, and the spell of by-spell is indeed the word spell, though in Old English, spell meant story or news. This sense still survives in the word gospel, which is a contraction of the Old English words goad and spell, which meant good news. In other words, the teachings of Christ. Anyway, by-spell literally meant by or beside the story, and it was used to mean a parable, a fable, a proverb, or even example. The modern German word for example, Beispiel, is an easily recognizable cognate of this Old English word. The semantic logic of both the native English by-spell and the Greek parabole suggests that the true meaning of a parable, or a by spell is juxtaposed beside the literal meaning of the story at hand. The Greek parabole was adapted into Latin during the late Latin period and verbified as parabolare, to speak in parables. The pronunciation of the word degenerated to something like paraulare in vulgar Latin, and its meaning broadened from speaking in parables to just speaking. In Italian and French, this word was inherited as parlare and parle, respectively. In both languages, these are still the infinitive verbs meaning to speak. The French parle has given us the English word parle, which is a formal term meaning to speak or confer, usually to settle terms with an opposing party. It's also less directly given us the terms parlor, which originally meant a room used to have conversations with guests, Parole, which originally referred to a prisoner's word of honor that they would remain a law-abiding citizen once set back free into society, and parliament, which is a generic term for a discussion of public affairs, but of course also the name of Britain's and many other countries' main legislative body. 
These are some pretty fascinating connections that, in one way or another, all ultimately stem from parabole's association with speech, which, keep in mind, is itself an extended metaphor of the word's original sense. But this sense associated with speech does not have anything to do with the meaning of parabola, which, again, is that U-shaped plane curve familiar to most of us through high school geometry class. So let's get back to this math term and see how it fits into the bigger picture here. The word parabola has been used to describe those U-shaped curves for over two millennia. Its earliest usage is by Apollonius of Perga, an ancient Greek mathematician who lived from the 3rd to 2nd centuries BCE. Apollonius is most famous for his work on conic sections, and a parabola is indeed a conic section. For those of you, like me, who need a refresher on what conic sections are, they're the different kinds of curves that you get when a flat plane intersects with a cone. Apollonius is not the earliest mathematician to work on parabolas, but he is the first mathematician to refer to them as parabolas. So, why did he call this particular U-shaped conic section a parabola? Recall that the ancient Greek parabole comprises the parts para, meaning beside, and bole, meaning throwing. Did he call it a parabola because if you throw a ball, that ball follows a parabolic path? Good guess, but no. Is it because a parabola has two symmetrical halves that are side by side of each other? Also a good guess, and also no. It's way more obscure than that. According to basically every good etymological resource out there, including the king of them all, the Oxford English Dictionary, the meaning of the ancient Greek parabole in its geometric context is application. This is usually accompanied by another sentence explaining that it's because a parabola is produced by the application of a given area to a straight line. Now, for most of us, this very ubiquitous explanation isn't very helpful. What is the connection between the meaning of parabole's morphological parts, you know, beside and throwing, and this sense of application? Clearly, the sense of the word application here is not in any of its conventional senses. It's math jargon. And more specifically, it's math jargon in the lineage of Pythagorean and Euclidean geometry. Pythagoras and Euclid were both ancient Greek mathematicians. In book six of his foundational work, The Elements, Euclid expounds upon a Pythagorean concept that in English is translated as the application of areas. And this is a technique used to divide and multiply lengths and areas. In a chapter on Pythagoras, the Loeb Classical Library text called Ancient Greek Mathematics, Volume 1, states, quote, One of the greatest of Pythagorean discoveries was the method known as the application of areas, which became a powerful engine in the hands of successive Greek geometers. The geometer is said to apply an area to a given straight line when a rectangle or parallelogram equal to the area is constructed on that straight line exactly. End quote. If you're not mathematically inclined, don't worry, you don't need to understand exactly what that means, because I'm not really sure that I do either. All you need to know is that applying the area 
requires a geometer to draw a new shape alongside an original shape. These shapes are ding, 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 side by side. The second shape is set alongside the first one, and as we know, the original literal sense of the Greek parabole is a throwing beside. Well, the Greek verb that's translated into English as apply in the phrase to apply an area is parabolo, which is the verb form of parabole, which is, of course, the word that we've been dealing with all along. Parabolo meant to set side by side. So therein lies the very obscure connection between parabolas and parables. To all the high school teachers out there, like mine, who have inadequately answered the question, what's the connection between a parabola and a parable, you're definitely off the hook. Recall that the term parabola, in conjunction with the U-shaped plane curve, came from Apollonius, not Pythagoras or Euclid. Basically, this is because Apollonius was able to derive parabolas from cones by employing this application of areas method, and thus he used the term parabola to describe the curve he came up with. Parabola and parable are not the only pair of related words where one has a mathematical definition and the other has a literary definition. There are also hyperbola and hyperbole, and ellipse and ellipsis. Uncoincidentally, parabolas, hyperbolas, and ellipses are all conic sections, and they were all expounded upon by Apollonius. Interesting, huh? In the next episode, possibly episodes, depending on the length of my research, we'll take a look at these other pairs of words and explore how they developed. All right, that's it for today's episode. I hope you loved it and that I answered a genuine question that you may have wondered at some point in your life. Again, if you want to support the show, there are bonus episodes released once a month at patreon.com slash wordsforgranted, and there's always the option to make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash wordsforgranted. Feel free to write me at wordsforgranted at gmail.com. Questions, comments, concerns, whatever, just say hi. And you can also follow the show on Twitter at at wordsforgranted, where I post etymology of the day posts a couple times a week. Okay, thanks for listening and catch you next time here at Words for Granted. You love podcasts, the stories, the laughs, the unexpected turns. But when this episode ends, the silence starts. Not anymore. Audiobooks.com turns that silence into your next great adventure. With over 450,000 titles, from bestsellers to hidden gems, your love for listening just found its new best friend. And because you already know the joy of audio, we're giving you three free audiobooks to start your journey. Imagine your favorite podcast, now with unlimited episodes. That's audiobooks.com. Keep the story going. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com slash podcast free today. Because for podcast lovers like you, the end of an episode is just the beginning. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E.